Welcome to the number one podcast, where we give you an authentic look into the world's healthiest, wealthiest, and most inspirational minds. We talk about trending topics, bold ideas, and give you real-world examples that will inspire you to take massive action to become the number one version of yourself. On today's episode, this is our inaugural episode, our first episode uh, so it's going to be a little of a test run, but we do it big here. And so we're going to start with something that I think everybody can appreciate. And that is uh, rock bottom. You know, what does it look like in your life? How do you bounce back when things really just aren't going your way? And I'm not talking about failures. I mean, when stuff is just really, really fucked up and, you know, you still want to bounce back and, you know, find a way out. So we're going to talk about some examples from our personal lives. And uh, yeah, with that, I guess. We'll just jump in. Uh, we should introduce ourselves. Uh, so I'll go first since I'm talking right now. My name is Forrest Anthony Knight Jr. Uh, live here in Miami, Florida. Uh, I've been doing all types of cool stuff and dabbling in real estate. Uh, my day job is in you know business to business tech sales and more. Oh, I'd say overall, I'm trying to do uh, what a lot of people are trying to do, which is you know ultimately be free. You know, generate passive income. Surround myself with individuals like Andrew. We're also, you know, have that mindset of, of, you know, not really staying along the common path. And uh, anyways, I'll pass it over to Andrew and he can just introduce himself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you, Forrest. And uh, I'm super excited to actually have, I guess, been able to have the pleasure of starting this podcast with Forrest. Um, this was literally an idea that we sparked a week ago. Right. Literally right. last week. It was on Sunday. Yeah, it's maybe like, been eight days. <laughs> eight days yeah, ago. Yeah. Uh, we came up with the idea that we want to do a podcast. Um, within that very short time frame, Forrest got all this equipment, set everything up, and I'm just along for the ride. Um, so honestly, <laughs> like I can't take any, um, you know, I it's can't a team take, effort. <laughs> yeah, so it's a team effort, um, you know, but at the end of the day, Forrest has done a phenomenal job. And, you know, something that I really want to touch base on is obviously the premise of this podcast is going to be talking about mindset, um, taking action and ultimately becoming your best version, uh, your number one version, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I think that that's just like a perfect representation of like the ability that you took to take action in order to make this happen, especially in like such a short time frame, because um, I think where a lot of people get stuck is, you know, they come up with an idea and then they sit on it for months or yeah. they sit on it for weeks or they just never take action, you know, well, and it's. I was going to say, what's funny about that is I, I try to be hypervigilant, right? We could all do a better job, but even, I even felt bad taking like three or four days. Cause I originally said, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to buy stuff tonight. You probably remember saying like, I'm going to buy stuff tonight. Yeah, and it yeah. took me a few extra days, yeah. but I've gotten to the point in my life where I'm like, I know that it's, it's more important to just like get through that first iteration. Like this might not be the most perfect setup, but you know, we're doing it. It's probably going to do well enough. And you know, you're not going to figure out you know, what's wrong unless you, you know, you get started. So, yeah. and I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. So it's awesome. it I did too. perfect and partnership. So, um, yeah. And I guess, you know, I just wanted to give you some credit, you know, because of this, it's been like That's absolutely me. phenomenal, but, um, yeah, to go back to introducing myself, my name is Andrew Loringer. Um, if you want to find me on Instagram, it's Drew's the move. Uh, and I, I'm actually in real estate. Uh, I do mortgages. I do a lot of the jumbo luxury, uh, non-warrantable condos, the like crazy, impossible deals of Miami's top real estate agents. So uh, a lot of my incredible realtor partners, they go out and they find these terrific buyers. A lot of them are coming from New York right now. I mean, you just moved down here from New York yep. uh, and you know, they come to this market and they don't understand our market. It's like a completely different ball game. 
Um, so their lenders back home can't get the deals done. So long story short, that's kind of where I come in. I have an expertise in Miami real estate and lending mortgages. And that's like my day thing. Hit up. <laughs> you know? If you're, uh, if you're buying a house, you know, yeah. bigger, bigger hit up Andrew. He'll, he'll help you out. That's dope. Yeah. So. Uh, love Miami, by the way. Also love New York. So if you're one of my New York friends, you're watching this thinking I ran away. I did not run away. I love the city. I love y'all, but Miami is dope. It is. Check it out out here. I mean, I mean, we're you, filming this in my kitchen right now. Yeah, you could film this in the kitchen in New York, but it's, it's different. It, is, it different. is different. I mean, you can't beat New York summers, though. New you York cannot. summers, yeah, rooftops. rooftops yeah, oh, my gosh. Nothing, nothing beats it. <laughs> and wow. I lived in New York for a very short period of time. So, like, I have just the utmost respect for New York. There's literally, so I grew up in Northern Virginia, right yeah. outside of D.C., but it was, like, the countryside of Virginia. So my yeah. first job was bailing hay on a farm, literally. Sheesh. You know, and so there's nothing, like, that I can even describe that compares to that feeling of that initial drive into the city when you're going through like New Jersey and you see the skyline the and your heart's time, just yeah. like beating and you're like, oh my God, you can feel Fine. the energy. The first time you, know? you fly into, so I, I flew, I moved from St. Louis. I'm a Midwesterner, right? So anybody who doesn't know me, um, grew up in St. Louis, uh, Midwesterner at heart, still am um, in the burbs, you know, but flying in that feeling when you fly into New York, because New York has that world appeal, right? Um, if, if you haven't been there, I mean, you just get it. Like there are movies about New York, movies that are based in New York. It, it just has that feeling. So it's, it's a great place. I, I did want to bring up though, like, how did we meet? Like we're, how did we end up like, we're here in Miami now we're talking about New York. Like how, how the heck did I honestly, you know, we were actually talking about this, like, I don't know, a week or so ago, whenever you first moved down here, it was several weeks ago. Yeah. I was like, where the hell did we meet? Yeah, I don't even remember where we met. Was it a party or what? I mean, I know the premise. So we were in St. Right. Louis. Um, we were both working at Edward Jones, right? Were you yeah. working at Edward Jones yeah, at the I was time? Or Jones. Were you work- I, was I know the, you went to. I was in the rotational program. There. Okay. Yeah. So um, I was a financial advisor in their career development program. So that was like my first move away from home besides like living in New York in the summers. But um, I like they flew me out to St. Louis. They moved me out there for six months. And I was working in this like career development program where they were teaching us how to literally go knock on doors. Yeah. That was the job. They're big on that. So if you apply for a job at Ever Jones as a financial advisor, you're going to be door knocking. Literally door knocking. It's not a figure of speech. You're actually in the streets. We used to map out the neighborhood the (laughs) night before of like the neighborhood we were going to go into and the first door that we were going to knock. And the night before we had to drive through the neighborhood and be like, that's the door. That's the one that I'm starting at tomorrow. And like, I would feel sick getting out of the car, but it was just, I mean, that's really, that was my like dive into sales, you know, at the beginning. But, um, I think we were at a party. So we, I don't even remember how it happened. Maybe it was, we were probably at, so here's what happens. We're, we're all 21, 20, no, probably 22, 23. Cause we just graduated college. Uh, first job out of college. I'm in a rotational program. The FAs, there's a ton of young FAs too. So you're kind of still in this cohort of young people yeah. that, you know, are, they're in the same stage as you. It's, it's not like where you're later in life. It's like hard to meet. It's like literally you still had that, that group of people. And yeah. I, I'm betting we all just met as like all the early 20 year olds at, yeah. Jones at, at some so, party somewhere. Yeah, we met Back at when we drank a lot. But <laughs> it's so crazy because so I had a I had this little apartment like on the outskirts of the city right by our home office at yeah, Edward yeah, Jones. Yeah. And I literally was never there because I was like. Oh hung, yeah, you. Were, I was hungover, sleeping on your couch. Like yeah, this four man. Nights a week. This man would show up at our house, which I wasn't mad about. But I'd be, I'd be chilling. I, I live with a, a buddy of mine named Drake, and uh, I would just hear a knock on the door. It'd be Andrew, or he'd be there like in the morning because we we hung out that much. Like it was like all the time. It was crazy. Uh, it was it was good times. But yeah, let's 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 dive into this topic. 
Um, that's how we met, basically, in St. Louis, starting our careers, having a lot of fun together. Yeah. You know, we've both grown up a bit since then, which is fine. Not knocking that lifestyle at all. I think everybody has, like, you got to have fun, still have fun now. But I want to talk about, you know, where we're headed, like, rock, rock bottom. Like, what is, what does it mean, like, or what was rock bottom for you? Um, and kind of where you, where you're going now and kind of, how do you place that as like, how do you feel about that experience? Yeah. Um, and how did you like get out of that? Uh, then I'll. Sure. So, um, I mean, rock bottom, I think is something different for everybody. Um, rock bottom could be, you know, it, it could have multiple layers and it could be like your relationship. You, everybody's had a rock bottom relationship, yeah. like something went south, right? Yeah. Everybody's had a rock bottom financial situation. Everybody's had a rock bottom, you know, something or other, maybe it's health, right? So. Um, I think you really have to clarify first, like what justifies the rock bottom, you know, for me, it was something like financial and mental and emotional, but it all stemmed around financial. Right. And I think more times than not, I think that's a good point. It's usually not one thing. Like it's usually easy. Like if we get one bad thing happens and if your life is together, it's fine. But usually rock bottom is where it's like everything, everything kind of spirals that everything and, happens and at it once. can start at like so for me um i think like relationally emotionally mentally spiritually like everything kind of suffered because of the financial rock bottom and everything right. turned into rock bottom because of it because i allowed it to, to really note. hurt me, that's a note right there we're gonna we're gonna take notes in this podcast i just <laughs> decided so everything spiraled out of control because of the financial uh instability right yeah to say so Jeez, I got I got stuff here. Continue though, continue. Let me, let me stop. And so, um, so ultimately, my rock bottom was something that I think was totally avoid. It was totally avoidable, absolutely avoidable. Um, but it was something that I had to experience. Uh, and at the end of the day, now looking back after having been through that, like it was the most incredible experience of my life. Obviously, I would like never want to go through that again. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that I went through it and I am where I am now is just a testimony of. Um, faith and like my ability to push through and ultimately like not give up. Um, and like some people may already know my story because I have shared it on a few platforms before, but um, you know, a few years back, I tried to start a tech company. You know all about this tech company. I do. <laughs> we actually do. tried to get Forrest to be a developer for it because uh, he has a broad experience in, you know, development. Background in software engineering, right? engineering. Yep. And so we're like, Forrest, we need your help to build this app. So the premise was um, I was doing mortgages at the time. I was very, very successful for my age at doing mortgages. I ran an entire branch call center. Um, We had like 15 people working for us. Um, I mean, I put myself up in a beautiful condo uh, here. I was like on the 47th floor at the Icon Brickle. If you know anything about Miami, it's a beautiful, it's literally an iconic building in Miami. It's um. Absolutely gorgeous. And I had like the car of my dreams. You know, there was like every kid had like a poster of a car on their wall. Yeah. And like I literally got that car. Yeah. And so I had everything that I wanted or so I thought, but I was just bored. I was like, I went into the office every day and the money was coming in, but it just like, I'm not a person that's really satisfied by the money. Like I want something more. I really value and cherish experience. That purpose. You know, and that, yeah. So um, one of my, uh, best friends from college. Um, he actually like him and I had had this idea cause we used to go out all the time together. And if you know anything about dining out, I mean, I guess it's a little bit different now with the introduction of some, you know, some technologies in the marketplace, but like checking out was always a nightmare. Yeah. It was always a nightmare. And, um, what we ended up coming up with was a mobile app for your cell phone where we would actually see an itemized receipt 
and you could actually select what was yours and you could like put them all into a cart and you can pay and leave whenever you want to and you don't have to deal with the receipts and the debit cards and credit cards so um at the time i was so obsessed i'm like an all or nothing type of person me too i went all in on this app and i completely neglected the mortgage business which was like literally funding my life sure and so uh, i went in so hard on this business trying to get investors building a pitch deck trying to source funds going restaurant to restaurant trying to sell this after we had already put the money in to develop you know my business partner had put in a ton of his own resources to make this happen um and so my resources were really just hitting the streets trying to sell right um doing the marketing etc and um this thing ultimately long story short ended up being a massive failure uh during the time frame that i had been trying to build this i actually went to new york for like six months and hit the streets trying to sell this on like third ave and like yeah, park anybody, and 34th yeah. anywhere in midtown downtown i was in meatpacking i was in everywhere yeah. i was all over trying to get this thing sold i came back to miami uh and so during this like time frame i had completely neglected my mortgage business to the point where it like fell apart and i remember coming back into this office it, we had grown so fast i expanded into three bigger offices within a year like yeah. from one to another to another we just kept growing i came back and i had two employees left Oof. Everybody had left. They had either been recruited or they were, they just quit or they were, they were let go. Um, And like, I checked my bank account and I'm literally $104,000 in credit card debt because I had been, no money had been coming in. That's the bottom, by the way, guys, (laughs) that is, that's his bottom, which he's got out of. And we'll talk about on that. But before I want to talk about how he got out of it, or you share some details. Why do you think the company failed ultimately? The market wasn't ready or. I guess if you just look back at kind of that venture, like what was the, and by the way, guys, like most businesses fail and most successful entrepreneurs have failures just like that. Like yeah. um, I've done plenty of bad deals as, as well. So part, all of that is going to go into, I, I think kind of what, why we're talking this conversation of like, you can't let these big major failures stop you from being successful. Cause ultimately these are the things that make you successful yeah, because you, you know so much more, like, you know, so much more about, everything you know starting a business uh selling you know a tech product all of that than somebody who is is thinking about it but yeah yeah, maybe just go into like you know what do you think like if there's one reason or two major reasons why you think you just couldn't get that business off the ground ultimately well i think one of the things was we had a consumer product right and the consumers loved this product i mean who wouldn't you no longer have to mess with debit cards you know the little machines trying to do the math for your tip. Like, you know, we, you don't have to do any of that. It was all solved. So the consumers loved this product. It was something that like every time we would tell somebody about it, they're like, when can I, where can I download it? Yeah. I want it now. Uh, And so what ended up happening is we had a ton of consumer attraction, but we had no restaurants that were allowing this as a payment platform. Nobody was accepting it as a payment method. Uh, And so my idea was we just go business to business and try to sell it on the streets to these restaurant owners. But uh, if you know anything about the restaurant industry, which I didn't until this experience, like yeah. these people get bombarded all day long, all day long with people trying to sell them wine, mm. rum, whiskey, food, something, something like yeah. they're getting bombarded all day. The uh, payment processing platforms, you know, all these different things, the POS systems, like people are trying to sell them stuff all day. So when you come in there, they're already like on the defensive. They don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Trying to get you out of the door as quick as possible because that's how they're trained. Uh, and then, you know, on top of that, we're asking them to give us access to the the meat and potatoes of the restaurant, which is their POS system, where all the transactions, all the receipts go through. And we're asking to gain access through the back end channel of this POS, which is like 
it's very scary for a lot of them. So um, I think looking back at it, the way that I would have done it, because that was obviously not the right way, yeah. um, is I would have probably gone to one of these POS systems and you know sold it to them as like a white label product where they could keep it as an add-on. That's probably the way that I would have done it. And then we could have banged out 50 restaurants that have the POS in one swoop. You know, yeah, you just get all their access to their customer base. So yeah, I mean, it yeah. wasn't that the idea was bad. And I think a lot of people that fail, it's not that the idea is bad, but maybe the strategy or execution you know, was just... Yeah. I would even wrong. say... And I, I think that's a good point. I'd say that most ideas, well, I'm not going to say most, a lot of ideas are really good, uh, but it all comes down to strategy and execution. Well, right? I've like, seen terrible ideas become successful just because the strategy yeah, was the on Yeah, the person point. makes it happen, yeah. right? And that's... Or they have the right, you know, backing, support, and mentorship in order to make it a reality. Somebody that's been yeah. down the road before. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to learn there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think, you know, I'll just jump right into some of them. There's two big events that I can think of, right? So we talk about relationships and kind of business so one of the the funny thing is at edward jones i was dating somebody um from college at the time uh that relationship ended uh found out i had gotten cheated on all that so i went through the you know tons of that was like nine years ago right but went through that was like super depressed so that's actually how it probably part of the reason i met you is because uh, i was all well before that i was all uh Boot you know we we're just chilling yeah boot up <laughs> at the house and then that summer, our buddy Drake is like, yo, you got to come out. And I was like, all right, dude, I was all depressed, you know, all depressed and shit. And I was like, all right, let's go out, meet people. Uh, but that was really good for me because it allowed me to get out of the, because at the time I was like super like looking into settling down and not knocking it for anybody who wants to do that. But in my core, like that's, that's not me. So like all of that, that happening really like reignited in me like, oh, now I can go do all this stuff I want to do. Uh, but it was a journey. Like it was a, it was a, it was a, a tough journey. Uh, I guess anybody who's, you know, been betrayed in that way understands, gets it, yada, yada. And I guess spend a ton of, ton of time on that. But that was kind of like the initial ignition. The second one was <laughs> with Drake again living in St. Louis, we actually got kicked out of our apartment, right? I remember that. So we used to throw, <laughs> we used to throw some, some crazy oh, parties, man, right? Like, they were I'm, so big. <laughs> honestly, parties, like, I don't know if I can, yeah, we just threw crazy parties. And um, like, you would hear them like, down the street probably just but it was insane and you hear them uh, at the entrance of the condo yeah and people we, we'd have people knocking on our door and be like uh hey like you guys are being too loud i'm, and we're like, I'm yeah, three we're, floors down and i have a crying we're, baby we're gonna turn it yeah we're gonna turn it down and we just wouldn't turn it down Do you remember the, the guy there was a guy that came up one time he, he was like above us yeah oh did he he's yeah. like my my baby's crying my wife's gonna <laughs> my kill my me. father and my mother live with me and all that and first off i was like dude why you got like eight you people <laughs> in a two bedroom like what are you doing up there? Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in, in, in any sense. So I'm not going to go too deep into that because we were unfairly kicked out for sure. We were a bit of a menace, but we weren't the only people throwing parties in that yeah. building. I want to I want to set the story sh straight that this community was, like, mostly, like, young people, our age bracket, throwing parties, debauchery. You know, so we were doing, but we, we just had some of the worst neighbors you could possibly have in that building that did not appreciate that lifestyle. Ultimately, all those people moved out, too. Because I moved back into that same apartment community later. But let's go back to the bottom, right? So I get kicked out of my apartment. I've got to call my mom up. Uh, I'm like, hey, mom, i got to move back home. You know, my family has since moved out of, like, our childhood home. They moved out years ago, right? So I, when I was 18, I moved out of my house when I was 18, right? And then they downsized the house. A bunch of stuff happened. Um, mom got remarried, stuff like that. So when I come back to live at my mom's house, I'm sleeping on the couch, and I'm working out of the kitchen. Like I had a desk on cardboard boxes in the kitchen, right? And so I went from, you know, and I'm driving my like white BMW with orange leather. And I just felt stupid, man. 
felt, I felt really stupid driving up to, you know, Belleville, Illinois, you know, my, my house. And, like, I'm trying to live. Like, I'm acting, like, out on the weekends, drinking, uh-huh. partying, feeling like I have something, you know, with my small little salary. And I'm sleeping on a couch and in my mom's kitchen. So it's not the worst thing that happened to me because I wasn't paying rent. You know, my mom loved having me at home. But when you're... <laughs> When you someone who's been out of the house since you're 18 and then you have yeah. to come back home and sleep on the couch and like, you know, I was living because I was blowing my money. I was living like paycheck to paycheck, even though I, sh- I shouldn't have. So that was like mm-hmm. a real kick, like, like, hey, like you should get your shit together a little bit, you know, not do this. And, and honestly, like, you know, shout out to my mom, you know, for letting me just come crash at her house. Um, but that, I mean, that's that's one of. I'd say just like a life, a life failure for me. It wasn't necessarily a, a financial thing. Um, but that was a life failure and kind of, uh, I won't go back into you digging out of your debt, but kind of how I got out of that was I really, that's when I started to actually pursue and it was a long journey for me. This was probably, I don't know how long ago it was. It was a long time ago now. I'm 30 now, but, um, that's when I first really started to look at mindset. So the first thing with the relationship was where I started to focus on like, okay, I know what I want out of life. I'm going to do that. This is where I actually started to think about, okay, how can I actually get it? Who do I need to become to actually have these things um, or or become these people that I look up to? Yeah, because, you know, it's 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 not so simple. Like there's a lot of things that I do now in my morning routine and all of that. And it takes time to get there. Some people can flip a switch. I wasn't able to. You know, it took a lot of uh, it took a lot of time and effort for me, uh, to be honest. Like I've been working on it, still working on it. But um yeah, it's just curious on, I know you had to, like, grind, like, just grind mode. So, like, how, what did it look like for you to... Well, it's so funny you mentioned, like, moving back home. Yeah. Um, because that was the last thing I wanted to do. Imagine I'm, like, I living... <laughs> I, I mean, I came from small, rural, the middle of nowhere, Virginia. And, you know, I'm here living in Miami, like, living in a, in a manner that what I've been able to tell about 90% of people that are from Miami are not doing, you know? And so that was like a huge accomplishment for me um, being like in the condo I was in surrounded by the people I was with having the employees that I had um, just being in the position that I was in. And so for me, when all of this stuff went down, like it was inevitable. I ended up losing my apartment. I ended up losing my car. Uh, I ended up just losing basically everything that I had like built yeah. Because of the poor decisions that I had made um, and like the lack of proper execution from this business. Uh, and so I just remember after kind of losing everything and being at what I would say is my rock bottom, I was just like devastated. Um, I actually, you know, I've got uh, there, there's a friend here in Miami that actually was letting me stay on her, on her couch. Yeah. And I was literally sleeping on her couch during the at night. I was using my storage unit which is like the only thing I had left to my name, which I was paying for with a credit card still. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I was using that as my closet. So I was literally going to her place. I was sleeping on the couch at night. I was going in the morning. I was going to my storage unit, changing into a suit and still hitting the streets, trying to sell this, this app to these restaurants. And, um, you know, after, and the craziest part was like, nobody knew what I was going through besides this woman. Like I didn't tell my parents what was happening. Um, I didn't tell anybody that was happening other than my friend here in Miami. Do you think that was, I just remembered another story where I had to, I was literally squatting for like three months. Uh, I don't know how I forgot that one. I've I've always been grinding, but do you think that was good or bad that you didn't share that at the time? 
Because I, I feel like personally, like when you're in that grind mode, it's it's almost better to just like own it. Just, yeah, just grind it out, you know. Yeah, and I, I think honestly, if I had shared my struggle with some people, I think I would have gotten a lot of empathy and support. And I probably wouldn't have just had this one option of like sleeping on this one person's couch, <laughs> you know, but sure. uh, and, you know, I could have probably leveraged my connections to be like, look, like I'm going to fail if. Like, I don't get some help. And it could have probably ended up opening some doors. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of a lot of times people will say, like, um, the devil uses isolation, right, in order to control you. Sure. Um, like, a lot of times you don't want to share what you're going through with anybody. And you end up, like, just becoming isolated and separating yourself from community. And that's yeah. ultimately the worst thing that you can do when you're going through any type of failure or any type of loss or any type of pain. Uh, because it's in that like space by yourself that you end up getting trapped in your mind and in your thoughts and you're going mm -hmm. through shit, you know? Yeah. I always say um, you can't, if, if you, if you, well, maybe not one way, but I generally, I think good rule of thumb is like, you can't think your way out of bad thinking. You know, I think it, it takes, it takes action, but yeah, it, isolation will definitely, it becomes a vicious cycle. Yeah. And right? it's, and it's just like, I think if I had been involved in a community, you know, that, that would have been great. And I had a great community here at Vu Church in Miami, um, you know, and I had a great community, but I just wasn't sharing what I was going through with people because I was embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, I had this beautiful car. I had um, this beautiful place. I was doing well for myself and I wanted people to perceive me as being that person. Ultimately, I allowed my perception that I thought other people had of me to dictate how I was running my life. And I continued to try to live above my means in the manner that I was living before the business yeah. you know, failed. Um, both, That's a tough both one, man. Businesses. That's a tough one. As, and as I think ultimately like the majority of my credit card debt that I was in could stem from not just the business failing. I, I like to use that as an excuse or I did, but it was ultimately me trying to live a life that I like couldn't afford. Yeah. I was trying to maintain living outside your means yeah. will mess you up, especially, uh, and I feel like this is a lot of what is happening in like entrepreneurship has gotten so popular now. So like my thing is, is real estate. Right. And, um, it, I see a lot of people fall into it. I fell into it too. Like trying to prove to people that, you know, and you see it here in Miami, like this is, this is the city for, you know, okay. flexing. <laughs> yeah. Like stuff that you don't have. Um, and, and that's why now, like, I think it's really important for me to like build, obviously you have to have a brand, like marketing is important. You have to have a brand, but just being honest with, with where you are. And if you bring value to the table and, and your knowledge and what you can do, uh, the money will come, you know, like I make way more money now. Uh, I'm much more vigilant with my dollars now than when I was making, you know, a sixth of what I make now. Uh, but all, all of that is a process, but it is a process that you have to go through. And it definitely going back to what uh, you just said, Andrew, around um, being embarrassed. Like it's, it's tough when you're using myself as an example, you tell people like, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to grind it out, you're grinding or you start some venture, right? I've done so many ventures and then they fail and then it's like now you got to come back to those same people and say, yo, that thing I said I was going to do, it didn't work out. But I think I'm at the point now where it's just like, hey, I know that that's the process. If I look at, you know, the people that I look up to, um, you know, if you're in the mindset space, you know, people that everybody knows like Tony Robbins, Les Brown, millions of others, you know, you, you have to fail. Failure is part of the learning process as long as you learn. That's true. And, um, you know, I don't want to, like, leave it in this, like, very, you know, because we're obviously, like, talking about rock bottom. So for a lot of people, yeah. they're going to, like, feel the emotions, you know, as we talk about them. And, um, you know, I'll kind of, like, switch it up after I kind of discuss, like, where I felt like my rock bottom was because it wasn't just like going through this process, this was like the tip of the iceberg that led up to my rock bottom. Like mm. I'm just kind of describing the backstory of how it happened. Yeah. Um, and kind of like I did a lot of self-reflection 
to get to this point, to realize that I was embarrassed, to be able to proclaim that and be honest with myself about that and yeah. to admit to myself and others, you know, publicly that I was living above my means and trying to be this person that I, I was so like consumed with people's perception of me, yeah. you know, and I just wasn't true to myself or what I was going through at the moment. Ultimately, I remember before I moved back home and I did end up moving back home, mm-hmm. which was my rock bottom. I remember being like, I was sitting on this bench uh, down by the river in Miami. I was <laughs> looking at, literally yeah. down, <laughs> on the riverside. <laughs> um, and I was sitting on the bench looking at Brickell City Center and I literally started bawling, crying, like bawling. Yeah. I was so stressed out because of everything that was happening. Um, I literally had to go see a doctor. I saw a doctor in Miami Beach that I couldn't afford. I used like my last few dollars on my credit card limit yeah. like because everything was maxed out to literally pay for this doctor to tell me that like, everything was fucked up because I was so stressed out. My, like my body was like not producing testosterone. Right. I like my estrogen levels were high. My cortisone levels were high. Um, I was losing all my hair. Like it's obviously gone now, but (laughs) you know, I think that that kind of pushed it, um, quite a bit. And I just remember like, I didn't feel good. Like not only was I going through everything emotionally, you know, financially and everything, but like physically I, I felt sick. Yeah. And I remember just sitting on this bench being like, this is it. Like, what am I going to do? And I just started bawling, crying and I just surrendered. And I was just like, like, I felt like, um, you know, I, I was praying about it, Yeah. you know, and I hadn't done that in so long. Yeah. And so I was praying about it and I was just like, you know, what do you want me to do? Um, and I just felt like something told me, you know, go home. You got to go home. Yeah. Uh, and so that's ultimately what I did. I called my parents and I told them like, Hey mom and dad, like, uh, I'm coming home. I need you to spot me like a rental car because I can't even pay for that. <laughs> yeah. Going going home is very grounding. You know, it is. Uh, but they were so happy. When I told my parents that I was coming home, they started crying on the phone. They were like, we've been praying about this for months because we thought you were going through something. Really? Uh. So I think that was like huge for me. Um, I ended up going home. I was like, I was listening to audiobooks the whole way back. I listened to Think and Grow Rich. I listened to Outwitting the Devil, both by Napoleon Hill. Read them. Um, and these are kind of the two books that really launched this movement of me kind of getting into this space of personal development yep. um, and self-reflection. And when I got home, you know, I was so sad, much like you, like, imagine like you, you, you told me in the car ride earlier, um, you're like, I was in like the heart of St. Louis living by myself. I had not, you know, I left home at 18 and now I'm like back at my parents' house, seeing all the people that I went to school with, you know, it's just yeah. such a humbling feeling. And that's what it was for me. Imagine I went from this beautiful city living like, just like something that these people, even myself being from this town had never even imagined or yeah. dreamed of. And then I went back to this town and I'm seeing all the people that I went to high school with. And I just like, I don't have a car. I'm not working. I'm in all this debt. And it was just so sad. And I remember uh, being on the phone with an attorney and being like, I'm going to file bankruptcy because of all this debt. Yeah. Uh, and just something told me like, don't do it because like your bread and your bread and butter is making more is doing mortgages. Um, yeah. And how, like, what's going to be your means of income if you file bankruptcy, cause you're going to lose your license, you know? Really? I uh, know that, yeah. yeah. And so for me, I was, it depends on the state, but I mean, what I ended up doing was I just said, you know what, I'm going to make a call. And so uh, it just so happens that the CEO of the company that I was managing here, the mortgage company I was managing here in Miami, his home office is in Maryland, which is like an hour and a half from my parents' house. So I call him and I'm like, I explained to him what was going on and I just said, look, I need a job. And he's yeah. like, no, no, no. Like, we'll have to think about it. And I called him. I harassed him. I harassed him until he said yes. There it is. And that was like the trigger that got me out of the hole. Yeah. 
Um, I ended up going to Maryland. I got this, like, I rented a room off of Craigslist for $500 a month. Nice. And uh, it had no Wi-Fi. It had, like, nothing. So I would go into the a room. Yeah, I would go into the room. My phone didn't work. There was no service. It was in the basement, yeah. right? So at night, I had no service. I had nothing. So I would read at night. Mm. And then in the morning, I would wake up. And because the only thing that worked on my phone was the alarm, (laughs) you know, when you don't have service, I'm basically on airplane mode. Um, And I would wake up in the morning and I would just go to work and I'd work for like 20 hours a day. Yeah. And I would go home. I would sleep a few hours. I would get back up. I I would hit the gym in the morning. I would work all day. I would hit yoga at night to try to like cool off. And then I would sleep. And I just did this routine for six and a half months until I had paid off all of my debt. And I was so like dead set on coming back to Miami and I knew that I wasn't going to be in Maryland much longer that like, I didn't accept it as my reality so much so that I didn't even make friends there. I met one or two people that I still, you know, talk to to this day, but I purposely did not want to make friends in Maryland because I knew that I was leaving. I was that dead set on my goal of coming back to Miami. That's good. I mean, and that's how it's got to be. And I, I think there's two big things, especially if you're in rock bottom right now. Um, there's a few other stories. I, I, was, I won't get too deep into it because, because Andrews I think has a really good example, but you know, I had to squat in college. I was so broke, I literally squatted in college, right? So I knew somebody who basically had an apartment, and then they canceled their, their like, lease. And then they just told me the unit, and I, I literally took summer classes. I would climb into this apartment because it was oh. on the second floor. Yeah, every day I would climb in, go through the sliding door. Uh, I picked up a futon out of a dumpster. Get out of here. And that's, that's what I did for an entire summer. And I just grinded. I didn't tell anybody, obviously, because... I was squatting, but you just, you do what you got to do. And I think ultimately, no matter how bad it gets, um, you know, if you're in the mud right now, you just have to realize that one, whether it's because of a failed venture or not, like if you risk it all, you might lose it all. Like straight up, you know, that's kind of the name of the game. And you have to realize that. I think a lot of people think that just because they work hard or they try hard that they won't fail. It's like you very well, very well might fail. And that's okay because that's that's a lesson but that's it also just creates kind of this this foundation for future success you know like being able to have that grind like i'm very sure like obviously it you can kind of become you know like we're saying like you can't become jaded because of some of these things but it also creates like honestly like this level within like your mind of like i've been through this so it's just like like, this this is whatever you know you know and i think it, it helps you approach life and business with just a whole different confidence once you've been through it not just like because obviously your confidence is damn near shot when you're going through it right but when you come out of it it's just like a whole nother just confidence um and i what is there's a book it's like uh the the journey of the warrior or something like that a warrior's journey um i haven't read that one so like i i feel like give me the give me the high level (laughs) oh well i I didn't read the whole book, so let's was it about too deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, let me so like the premise of like having that warrior mentality yeah. is when you've gone through the trenches and you've gone through the battle, like you come out a champion. For sure. You know? Yeah. Um, but like the warrior is isolated at times and like you squatting, yeah, you're alone. You know, yeah, like you're not up, bringing you girls back to the to the crib through the sliding door. Uh, yeah, you're, you're yeah. Uh, and like <laughs> And Locked I was, well, and I wasn't gonna bring the girl anybody at the back. The time to, did come through once. Oh, for real? But yeah, but That's, it was squatted. Dude. Oh yeah, man! It was, look, but on the, got, on the dumpster futon. Look, bro. Forrest got game though. Forrest, <laughs> I, I do have game. Um, but here's the thing, though. Like that's that's all fun when you're young, and 
I mean, honestly, I would do that now, though. Like, I, I tell my business partners, and obviously, I'm much better at managing money. I make much more money now, so I'm not as at risk as that. But I'm not afraid. What I tell people is, like, I'm literally not afraid of being broke. Is what has that's where that has got me because I know that I'm good at making money. Yeah. Uh, so I don't want to lose money. Don't like it, but because I've went through these experiences where it's like I I know for a fact that I will squat. I'll do whatever I have to do um, to just get it done because I've done it. And so it's yeah. like I'm just not I'm not afraid of being broke. Like if I lost all my money tomorrow, like I know I can make more money. It's just yeah. So I always have that in my back pocket. Um, but yeah, and I, I think the mindset of a warrior is. It's a good analogy. I think it's a good mentality for the way that you should approach life and success because, like, it's a battle, right? A warrior is, whether you're in attack mode or defend mode, like, you're always ready for the next, you know, altercation or, or the next thing that you have to cross, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Um, the warrior, maybe the adventurer if you're on a journey, you know, but you're you're moving forward and you're you're preparing yourself for, for what is next. And you might lose some battles, um, but the goal is, you know, to win the war ultimately. So, um, I think I, it, I think also what it does is, um, you know, any failure, any loss, or any really rock bottom situation, it puts you in a position where you've got a choice to make. Yeah. Right. And you're either gonna be defeated or you're gonna go all in. Yeah. Uh, and for me, going all in was making a decision, making that decision to come up with a plan. I didn't file bankruptcy. I didn't want to take the easy way out. I made a plan. I organized my debts from smallest to largest. Um, Dave Ramsey has this method called the uh, the snowball method, snowball. right? Yep. And so I started with the small wins. I got the small debts knocked out. So wait, wait let's. What is what is the snowball? It's it's so, basically where you pay off the smallest debts first instead yeah. of doing like the highest interest rate. You, the goal is basically where you you want to get small wins. Yeah, right? yeah. So if you've got like a hundred dollar credit card, you know, uh, fifteen hundred, uh, three thousand. Uh, 7,000, 15,000, you want to put them in that order and you want to start banging out the small ones first. Right. Um, what I would do is I would bang out the small ones like with my little checks. Yeah. And when I would get a big commission check, I would smack out a big one nice. because the big ones had crazy interest. Like credit cards are, my credit cards were at like 29%, which is insane. You know, yeah. so for $23,000 balance, like it's a lot of interest you're paying, you know? Yeah. Um, so what I did was I would knock out the little ones and then get a big check, score, you know, close out a, a big, um, a big balance. Right. Yeah. Um, but ultimately the decision, you know, that I'm referring to is I like, believe it or not, I hated mortgages. Really? I always hated mortgages. And I think it's because I didn't like the way that we were working with people. I never felt like I was like helping them. Sure. Um, I always felt like it was about the money, you know, yeah. every company I worked for, even the one that I was managing. And it wasn't until, um, you know, I got back to Miami and I'm doing what I'm doing now. Do I really feel like I'm helping people? And it's yeah. amazing because I get people now, they get turned down from 17 banks and then they come to me and I'm like, they're saving, they're saving grace. Right. I get the like deal you done, done, you know? Yeah. So I'm like genuinely helping people and it's great. Nice. And I cut my commission to make things happen, you know, but I have that luxury now. And, um, you know, back then it was, I hated mortgages so much that my fallback was to go back to being a financial advisor because I still have my licenses, the series seven, 66. Yeah. Um, and in that moment, it was actually like at that rock bottom place, I decided I was going to go all in on mortgages and I let my license lapse. So I never got it. It was, yeah. I had an opportunity to, to hang it with a firm so that it wouldn't lapse. Yeah. And I let it go. And I was like, I'm going all in on mortgages. Gotta do it. And it was that decision to go all in and like not entertain different op options and, you know, get a nine to five here or, you know, do this here or like, you know, whatever people got their side hustles. I don't knock it. You know, I even have one now. Um, for like personal 
hobbies, but you know, those are personal hobbies. Like my all in is still mortgages. And I think ultimately when you make a decision to be very good at one thing, you can get yourself out of anything because you become an expert in that field. That's a whole nother podcast. So the one thing there's a book called the one thing, um, read it. I want to take that into, you know, kind of our closing thoughts. Like what do you want to end this with? Um, you know, the big takeaways, I think we shared, shared a lot of stuff, but, um, well, yeah, what, I, what, do you, what, what do you want people to, to take away from yeah, this? Yeah, so I don't want to take away, like, obviously we shared a lot about the experiences that we've been through, right? Yeah. Um, but it wasn't just so that we could kind of, like, boast about what we've been through or, like, my journey was harder than yours. Because yeah. obviously people out there have been through some shit, yeah. you know? Um, ultimately, what I'd like to kind of leave off with is I went through what I went through, but I came back to Miami stronger than ever. Yeah. I came back and I was more successful than I was you know, before this through a pandemic. Yeah. And now I am where I am today. I have a beautiful girlfriend. We stay at an incredible place. Um, I have a, you know, a nice car again, (laughs) you know? So like I am in a place that is way better than I was when I left or before I left when I thought that I was winning. Um, But I'm now approaching it with like a humbled spirit and that never would have happened. I would not be where I am today if I had not been through rock bottom. That rock bottom made me who I am. I never even had work ethic, to be honest. Like I grew up working on a farm, but like I was always doing the bare minimum. Every job I ever had in life, um, I was always doing the bare minimum. And people used to always tell me like, you have so much potential. You're not living up to your potential. And I used to just not care because like I didn't have that drive. Um, that, That rock bottom moment where I had to pay off the debt and like... I had to move back home and I had to go through all of that humiliation that gave me the work ethic and the drive that I have now. That's made me so successful. Love it, man. So here's, here's the thing guys. Um, I'm going to close this out. I guess I'm going to pick this up and hopefully not make too much background noise. Um, you just got to keep going, you know, rock bottom is going to happen. Uh, if you're blessed to where you haven't had a really you know bad experience, uh, that's great too. You know, I, I think you kind of have to maybe define a rock bottom in your life. But I think it's it's generally good to understand that while we do live in the home, we do live in the moment as people, for sure. It can be really hard, especially when you have the weight of, you know, I've got a bill due in two weeks and I've got no money. And then I've got another bill after that. And or it's I, past due. It's past <laughs> due and I still don't have any money, you know. And then the people that used to look up to me are now looking down on me or the, the things that I said I was going to be able to do. You know, I failed at those things and I made promises to people that I wasn't able to keep. And all of this weight builds up on you and, you know, you're not able to eat right because you don't have food and you can't work out because you don't have money for the gym and all these things pile up on top of you. Um, but you can get out of it. You know, I've gotten out of it. Andrew's gotten out of it. Tons of other people have gotten out of it. And you just have to do really take it one one day at a time uh, and just realize that the only way that you're not going to get out is if you give up. Uh, and, and I know it sounds really simple. It is a, a lot of work. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to act like just by changing your mindset that all your problems will disappear. The only way your problems are going to disappear is if you take action, but taking yeah. action requires changing your mindset, taking accountability for your situation. Um, you know, and don't let your environment control you. You know, everybody kind of has a, a different environment, different surroundings, uh, kind of a different set of cards in life. Uh, but you know, there's, there's always a hand that you can play. There's always some gains that can be made on the day, whether it's financially, physically, mentally, you know, read a book. It's the simplest thing. If, 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 if you really, you really got to, a lot of people discount the power of your mind, but what you think and what you believe affects how you perceive information. And so, you know, you and I, depending on our mindset, might perceive, you know, the same situation either as a complete obstacle to or something that's blocking me from ever achieving my goals. And I might perceive it as uh, a learning opportunity or a way to make money, right? Yeah. Because I can solve the problem. 
Uh, and that's purely based off a of mindset, 100% off a of mindset. It's not based off of what you know. A lot of people think, well, if I knew how to solve a problem, no. There's tons of things I don't know how to solve, but I just know that I can figure it out, right? And, and a lot of that is through just toughing it out. So, yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Um, this is the number one podcast in the world. Thank you for joining us on our first episode. Um, yeah, check us out on Instagram. Uh, you can reach me at Forrest the Investor. Andrew, where can they find you? Drew's the Move on Instagram. Drew's the Move. And see you in the next one. Signing out.